Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you today. We're so glad you're here this morning. We want to welcome you all. Welcome home. Welcome home to the, all of you that are online today. Today is going to be an awesome day for two reasons. First of all, we're excited that once a month we get to have our kids in here and worship together as one big church family. So I know our kids are sitting down and I can hear them opening up their engagement bags. So I'm not going to make them stand up. But if you are a kid, if you are in uh, sixth grade or younger, all of our kids, would you just raise your hand real quick? Look at all these kids. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. We're glad you're here. We want you to know we're glad you're here. We're excited that you're with us today. We're also excited we get to baptize today. We baptized someone in our first service. We're going to be baptizing someone in our second service. So let's give God a hand for that. That is awesome. That's awesome. And we're glad for you. We're glad for you being here. We're actually, we kicked off a brand new series this last week called Alone in the Desert. Can we say that together? alone in the desert. Yeah, you guys are with me today. I like this. And so we were talking about, starting last week, we talked about the fact that sometimes we're in the desert or we're in the wilderness. Sometimes we're in the wilderness because of some decisions that we made or some decisions that other people made. Other times we're in the desert or the wilderness, not because it's someone's fault, but it just happens. So you've lost someone close to you. Um, maybe you're struggling with fear or anxiety, dealing with COVID, struggling with mental illness, the loss of income. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can put us in the desert. And then there's other times that we're in the desert or we're in the wilderness for a season. A few years back, I intentionally went on sabbatical and went on a, just a prayer retreat. I intentionally went there for a purpose to hear God speak to me and, and kind of figure out where God was wanting me to go and more importantly, where he wanted our church to go. And so there's reasons. And Jesus is in the desert. He has a purpose for that. God has a purpose for Jesus going into the desert. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter th or 4 throughout this entire, um, th throughout this entire three-week series. And today we're looking at temptation Two, where Jesus is called by the, or basically the devil, tells Jesus to jump off the temple. So let's say that together. Ready? Jump off. Yeah, kids, say that with me. Jump off the temple. That's right. Okay, so here's what happens. In Matthew chapter 4, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, let's read those yellow words, If you are the Son of God... Okay, how many of you have a problem with heights? Raise your hand if you have a problem with heights, okay? Yeah, I do not like heights. In fact, a while back I told my wife, I know you want Christmas lights on the house. We're going to have to hire it done or something because I am getting too old. I don't have the best balance anymore. I'm not getting up on the roof to, to put Christmas lights up. I, I don't like heights. I'm afraid of heights. So for me, being tempted to jump off of a building would not be my temptation. But there's a little bit of a reason why here, and we're going to find out about it. But he says, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus says, the scripture also says, let's all read it, you must not test the Lord your God. So here's the skinny. Here's what we know. The devil is telling Jesus to prove God's word was true by forcing God's hand. 
If Jesus is in peril, God would have to save, save him. And Jesus refused to test God that way. So we're going to jump right into it this morning. You ready? We aren't called to test his provision. We're called to trust his provision. We aren't called to test his provision. We're called to trust his provision. Say that with me. We aren't called to test his provision. We're called to trust his provision. So if our kiddos in the room are like, what's provision mean? Provision is simply this. It's simply knowing that God has your back, that he's going to come through for you, that he's going to supply what you need. The devil is wanting God, wanting Jesus to test that God is going to come through. And Jesus knows that I don't need to test that God is going to come through because I know that he always does come through. Amen? And that's what we're going to learn about today. Now, there's one exception to this because we're not called to test the Lord, but there is one thing in Scripture where we are, we are called to test God, and, and that's not what today's message is about, but I just want you to see it today, the one exception. Bring all the tithes. Tithes, kids, means money. Um, it means a part of what God gives you financially to give to God. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Let's finish it. Try it. Try it. Put me to the test. So when it comes to our, our tithe, um, we see where, we're, where it's okay to test God with that. But outside of that, Satan is asking Jesus to prove God's provision rather than simply trusting his provision. And Jesus' response is, hey, you're not called to test the Lord. And essentially, what he's saying is this, I don't need to throw myself off of here to prove that God is faithful. He is faithful. And church, what you need to know today is when you're tempted, some of you probably, we're not going to be tempted to go up to a building and say, God, I want you to prove to me that you're, you know, you're there for me. I'm going to jump off of here and let you save me. We don't have to do those things. We can trust him. Okay? We can trust him. See, faith causes us to trust. Doubt causes us to complain. Faith causes us to trust. Doubt causes us to complain. Here's an example. My wife does not trust that I will do a good job with the laundry. Okay? So this has happened. My wife is wanting to say amen. I know she is. But here's the thing. When we first got married, we came back from our honeymoon. We had these brand new towels. And I didn't know that towels bleed. Okay? I didn't know that. So I thought, here I am. I'm going to be a good husband. And I get all the towels together. And look, there's some, also some other clothes as well that need washed. So I just tossed them all into the, into the washer, you know? And all of a sudden, we had one of these little townhouses, and I was on one of the stories, and I hear her say my name in a not pleasant way. <laughs> and she says, Kyle. And I came downstairs, and I, she opens up the deal, and I mean, the water's like fruity pebbles. I mean, it's all these different colors of the rainbow there. And she's like, you're never going to do laundry again. And I'm like, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> So for a while I didn't, but eventually we had kids and we got more laundry, so she tried trusting me to do the laundry. And every once in a while still, she'll say, listen, you do not put black shirts or any shirts with towels. Do you understand what I'm saying? You do not put black shirts with towels. Luke is saying, Dad, you did that the other day. So here's what we need to know today. In the same way that we 
doubt, when we doubt someone or something, it causes us to what? Causes us to what? It causes us to complain. But church, we don't have anything to complain about it when it comes to God. Amen? Because unlike me with laundry or someone else who's human who makes mistakes, God doesn't make mistakes. And God has a perfect will. Now when Jesus, hang with me because this is going somewhere. When Jesus quotes scripture in Matthew chapter 4, he looks at the enemy and he says, listen, it also says, do not test the Lord your God. Jesus is referring to a verse in Deuteronomy about an event that took place in Exodus. He quotes a verse in Deuteronomy that's talking about an event that took place in Exodus. He says, you must not test the Lord your God as you did when you doubted and you complained at Massa. So here's what takes place. Okay, the Moses takes all the people out of Egypt, all, two million people plus women and children, out of Egypt, two million Jews out of Egypt, or Jews, <laughs> two million Israelites, sorry, get my, my stories mixed up, two million Israelites out of Egypt into the desert. And they were obviously Jewish. And so what takes place is, in the story, they're in the desert, and they're parked somewhere, and there's no water. There's no water, and they begin to complain. They logically see that there's no water, and they begin to complain, thinking, there's nothing here. And they forget that God provides. They forget that God has always been faithful. You know, when we're tempted to forget, when we're in the middle of having to trust God, do you know how we're able to get through that? It's when we remember back and remember that God has been faithful in the past. Amen? And that's what we see here. But the people don't do that. The people are thirsty for water and they start grumbling against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and the livestock die of thirst? In Exodus 17, as God was leading Moses and his people toward the promised land, they camped at a place where there was no water. And the Israelites' immediate reaction was to grumble against Moses, grumble against God and quarrel against Moses in Exodus 17. Their lack of trust in God to take care of them is evident in their accusations towards Moses. We read them earlier. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us die? And the Israelites were obviously in a situation where they needed God to intervene. The point at which they tested God is when doubt and fear overtook them and they came to the conclusion, and man, we do this same thing. They came to the conclusion that God had what, church? That God had abandoned them. And they questioned God's reliability because he was not meeting their what? And sometimes we do the exact same thing. We do the math, and we can't see a logical way that God is going to work something out, and we begin to doubt, and we begin to feel like God has abandoned us. Can I tell you today, God does not abandon us. He is with you. He is with me. And you know, sometimes we want answers and the truth of the matter is, there are times where we want answers and we don't always get them. Listen to this. Our expectation may be that God owes us an explanation. But God's word doesn't promise explanations. 
about when and where. And yet, even in that, we are called to trust Him anyway. Amen? I've come to this realization, and I would, I would get it right on paper, but sometimes in my mind I, I would get it wrong. But God doesn't owe me an explanation. And when He doesn't give me an explanation, I'm called to trust. Job, we see Job in Scripture. He goes through all these different things, and towards the end of the book, he just simply asks the question, why? And God doesn't give him an explanation. There are times where he doesn't give me an explanation. There's a time where he doesn't give you an explanation. And in those moments, we're supposed to, we are called to trust his provision. Now, that doesn't mean we don't hurt. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking why. Just to give you an example of that, I, was, I have leg perthes disease. I remember growing up asking my, I was pretty good with my hands and was skilled, but I couldn't run fast because of my hip. And I'd ask God, you know, why? My, my parents split when I was young. And I remember asking God, why? Some of you've been through things before and you've asked God, why? And sometimes you find out why, but there's a lot of times we don't. And yet we're called to trust Jesus trusted God so much that when the enemy comes to him and tempts him, he looks at him and says, no, I trust God's provision. I don't need to test his provision. The other thing that we can know is that when we know God's word, kids and adults, teenagers, when we know God's word, it's a lot easier to apply God's word. Amen? Knowing and applying God's word is our offensive weapon when temptation comes. Listen to this scripture. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Let's finish it together. Which is the, which is the Word of God. Jesus responds with scripture. You must not test the Lord your God. Now listen to what the actual scripture is. Because see what the enemy does sometimes is he wants to twist what is true. When Satan is tempting Jesus, he quotes a scripture, but he misquotes it. Here's the actual scripture before Satan twists it. This is what it says. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In other words, in the ways of God, when you study what that means. As we walk in the ways of God, his protection and his provision is with us. But when we walk outside of God's ways, we don't have that protection to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But when Satan quotes it, he leaves out that part. He leaves this part out. For he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And he leaves out the part that it's got to be according to God's will got to be according to God's ways, the ways of God. Listen to this. Matthew Henry commentary says, Satan misquoted it. The promise is, and they're talking about in the King James Version in this one, they shall keep thee, but in all thy ways, not what, church? Not what? Not otherwise. If we go out of our way, 
out of the way of our duty, we forfeit the promise and put ourselves, let's read it, out of... So Jesus knows God's plan for me is not to jump off this building and test His provision. And because it's not God's will to jump off this building and test His provision, I'm not going to do it and He's not going to keep me protected. What we oftentimes do in our lives is we make bad decisions or decisions that go against God or go against, more importantly, His Word. And then we're upset and frustrated when we feel like God doesn't come through for us. If Christ would have cast Himself off the temple... He would have been outside the ways of God. Um, It's important for us to know His Word. It's important for us to apply His Word. Because sometimes people twist His Word. In fact, don't blindly trust someone else's account of God's Word. Let's read it. Study God's Word It's been several years ago, I was talking to someone who went to this small little church in the middle of nowhere, and they said, the pastor there doesn't want us, um, he doesn't want us to bring our Bibles to church, and he doesn't want us to read them while he's talking to us. As if, basically what this person was getting at was, he doesn't want you to question him. Let me tell you something. Bring your Bible to church. Know what God's saying not just trusting someone else's account. Know it for yourself. It's so easy to take things out of context and for people to twist things around, and it's not the case. It's, and then it becomes not true. Know his word. Kids, you have this scripture in your engagement bags, and it's really something all of us should know. David says, I have hidden your word in my heart, which is what Jesus did. I have hidden my, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, when we know his word and we've hidden it in our hearts, it helps us not to sin against him. Teenagers, when you're in a tempting situation and you know 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and you are tempted to do the wrong thing and you've hidden 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in your heart that says no temptation has seized you except what is, God is, what is common to man. And God is faithful. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out for you to stand up under it. Because when we know that scripture and we've hidden it in our hearts, it comes to our mind when we're in those situations. Listen to this. All scripture is what, Church. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to use us and equip us through his word. And here's the third thing. When you are tempted to doubt God's provision and ask for signs... Don't. Let's read. Trust God's promises. He's faithful, amen? 
He is so faithful. Listen to what Jesus says. As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. We know Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, and we know Jesus is going to be in the ground for three days, and then eventually uh, raised from the dead. And Jesus is saying here, you guys need all these signs and wonders. All you need to know is that you'll see quickly that I'm going to raise to life. That's your proof. We can spend our days, well, you know, God's told me I'm supposed to go do this new job, or God's told me I need to go talk to this person, or God's told me this or that. And we can spend our days saying, God, is that really what you said? Is that really what you said? Show me another sign. Show me another sign. Show me another sign. And there comes a point where Jesus is like, if you, if you love me, trust me. Has your kids or your grandkids ever said, why, why, why? And at some point you just say, would you just trust me? What is it that God's asking you to trust him with? What is in your life that you continue to doubt and continue to reject? And God is simply saying, trust me. See, faith in God doesn't need a bunch of signs and wonders all the time. We trust him, let's read it, even without the signs. The Israelites are in the desert. There's nothing to drink. They're thirsty. And instead of remembering that God will provide, they doubt that he will provide and they start wanting to go back to Egypt where they can get water. God is faithful. Even when you can't see how God is going to provide, trust that he is going to provide. Jesus is enough to sustain you Spend your time trusting in his provision rather than testing his provision. Jesus is enough to sustain you. I just want us to close our eyes for just a second. I want you to think about in your life something you're struggling with. Maybe you're, you're frustrated with somebody. There's a lot going on. You're worried. I want you to hear this. Jesus is enough to sustain you. Forget the yeah, but. Jesus is enough to sustain you. And with your eyes closed, what would happen if you would spend your time trusting in his provision rather than constantly testing his provision? With your eyes closed, we're almost done. I want to read a scripture to you that Jesus said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You can open your eyes if you want. Look at this verse that I just read. Let's read it. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. Jesus is enough.
And when the enemy brings Jesus up to the temple and he's standing there on the edge and he misquotes the scripture to Jesus and he says, hey, listen, if you jump, you know God's got your back. So why don't you prove to me that you are who you say you are and that God is who he says he is. Really, the temptation was less about the jump and more about wanting to prove who God is. It says that Jesus was tempted, which means that he was tempted. I'm tempted to prove this to you. I'm tempted to prove that God is who he says he is. But you know, more than my ego proving to you that God will save you, one, you misquoted that scripture because you left out the part that that's in all our ways. And this isn't the way of God. And so more than wanting to prove to you, I'm going to let you know that I'm not called to test God. I'm called to trust Him. In your life, when you're standing at the edge and you're willing to quit, you're willing to give up, you're willing to just give in to fear and anxiety, don't. Don't give up. Mom, single mom, don't give up. Kids, don't give up. Teachers, don't give up. Doctors, don't give up. Husbands, wives, don't give up. Why? Because God is faithful, amen? He is so faithful. He is so faithful. Let's stand together this morning.